0: Hey, guys, it's the first Monday of the month. You know what that means? It's It's time 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 for for Midnight Midnight Theology.
1: theology.
0: This is stupid. We should do something else. Welcome to Midnight Theology, the late night ponderings of four pastor friends. I'm your host, Adam Penn, and I'm joined by Sarah Wank. Hey y'all. And Gabe Wank. Hey guys. And Larry is off this month, so let's do this thing. So guys, can you believe that it is already Advent? No. No.
2: I am in total disbelief
0: <laughs> I mean it's it's December. How did that happen? like the the gear started two weeks ago
2: i'm I Somebody am pretty put sure time into overdrive I, I'm pretty sure that about a week ago I was saying things like uh, it's about to be twenty twenty one surely that will be better than twenty twenty like I recall that I recall saying that frequently at the end of twenty twenty and I feel like that was yesterday,
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so here's my theory on that is that like 2020, the year that like the entire world was on pause and it was like an extended snow day with that was really not that fun. Um, But it, it, it still like all of our rhythms were just totally out the window. Right. Yeah. And so like 2021, you still had like all of the junk of 2020, but then you threw rhythms back on top of it. And, and that's yeah. my theory as to why this year feels like it's just, like, disappeared.
2: Yeah. Which I, don't I don't know.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Part of me is still
1: stuck in 19 because 20 just was so out of the norm that mm-hmm. the last normal experience of a, of a, a season of years was 2019.
0: hmm Yeah.
2: Yeah, that 2020 was just a blip, right, on the radar. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, 2021 was, like, you had to live your real life – and the COVID life kind of too, simultaneously. And it just like sent it into a weird time warp or something.
0: Yeah, it like a, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like we've been in like a wormhole for like two years. It's like we've lost but two it, years. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: But Advent yeah. Is, is here. We are yeah. here.
0: Yeah, Advent is here. And uh, being that we find ourselves in the midst of the season of Advent, we thought that we would take a little bit of time today uh, to look at an often ignored aspect of it. Uh, so, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the season of Advent, it's a season in the Christian calendar uh, that consists of four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. And if you're raised in a faith tradition that observed Advent, uh, things like uh, candles and wreaths and nativity sets and, and carols uh, might come to mind for you. Uh, but what may not come to mind for most of us when we think about Advent is the second coming of Jesus. That's right. You know, think like the the book of Revelation and all of the crazy events that lie within it. Um, And and believe it or not, preparing our hearts for Jesus to return is one of the core purposes uh, of the Advent season. Um, It's often been said that during Advent, we look behind us and ahead of us. Uh, at the same time. So, so, we look behind us as we remember the events leading up to Jesus's first coming, uh, the prophecies, the angelic visitations, and the stories of Mary and Joseph as they grappled with the miraculous birth of a son. Uh, but we also uh, look ahead to Jesus's second coming where he will make good on his promise to return and to redeem all creation. And the idea is that this First coming of Jesus uh, should naturally remind us to prepare ourselves uh, for his second coming. So, that's what we're going to talk about today, um, how we can kind of have this, this both and uh, experience and view of Advent and the difference that that can make mm-hmm. in uh, our lives. Uh, so, Gabe and Sarah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to you guys. I'm curious, uh, what has your experience of Advent been uh, and how has it changed uh, throughout the course of your life?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm a pastor's kid, uh, and, I'm, and I'm I'm a double pastor's kid. I grew up, mom and dad both United Methodist pastors in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, and I, I Advent was always a big deal. Um, there was just always more busyness, but then, the, the, as a kid, it's just Christmas time, and I don't, I don't think I recognized the significance so much as just every kid is just looking forward to celebrating uh, what Santa is going to do and bring, and how to celebrate those gifts that come underneath the tree on Christmas morning. Um, as I grew up, uh, Christmas changed a little bit with uh, being a, a, a child with a single parent, just my dad, and then. Dad and Mom, when I was age 11, uh, sharing in that family aspect of Advent and having two parents uh, and myself, and then just traveling to see grandparents and spending more time with family. Advent was always a time with family. Uh, That's what really stands out. Outside of the gifts and the family meal uh, up at Grandma's house at the farm or down in Southern Ohio um, with just family you only got to see a few times a year. Um, There was just, there was good feelings. Uh, There was just time to be bored, time to to play with whatever you got under the tree and maybe just uh, sit around and listen to the stories being told by parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. Hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older, though, um, and from just being an only child and a child in a home, being uh, a single person until around uh, my late 20s, uh, and then Sarah and I just together as, as a couple for many years without children, um, but it, Christmas is different now. But Advent and, and this celebration of the coming of Christ uh, as a child, God in, in human form, God as a very vulnerable child, uh, it has certainly taken on different um, awarenesses for me. A different spiritual depth uh, comes, I think, just over time and understanding that somehow the the infinite Almighty became a very uh, helpless baby uh, and the miraculous nature of all of that. um, it, It just... It changes. It changes how you view and what and what it really means. And in the midst of just celebrating the, the Protestant way of, of celebrating uh, the tradition of Advent and Christmas. Thank you, Sarah.
2: Hey, yeah, I um also preacher's kid, right? Had um, kind of a unique experience with Advent growing up. My my parents put a significant emphasis on celebrating advent at home um not just christmas i mean we did all the typical christmas things right of writing letters to santa claus and putting our stockings out and all that jazz but um the tradition of celebrating the sundays of advent um uh, was a major focus for us uh, um, my whole lifelong um you know, as as a preacher's family, Sundays are very busy, right? And so, you know, mom and dad dragging you out the door to church in the morning, usually multiple church services, sometimes different churches um, with choir practice and youth group in the afternoon. And um, so what they did was they carved out some time on Sunday night. And after the church activities were over, uh, we would go home and they had an Advent wreath that, um, uh, you know, sometimes it was very official and formal, and sometimes it was five candles that they grabbed from Walmart, you know, and stuck a evergreen wreath around. But it sat on the middle of the kitchen table, or sometimes on the hope chest, and uh, we would take turns uh, doing the Advent reading each Sunday, lighting the Advent candle, singing "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," and um, kind of having that moment of pause. in in preparation. Uh, then my parents found a way to make it really super fun. And so we would, mom would pull out, um, cookies and, um, that had been made for Christmas and snacks because we probably hadn't had dinner yet. And then we would pick a Christmas movie and watch it. And so it became this carved out sacred time, um, to, to get our attention on Jesus and the preparation, uh, for Jesus's arrival, but also just some really special family time as well. And I, um, I don't know a lot of other kids that were that were like, Oh we we have to go home today and light the first candle of hope right in the advent wreath um, <laughs> and they they really made it um about advent right and not just about Christmas, even with you know um, <laughs> you know how everybody has like the chocolate candy thing where they like open the door you know and count down towards Christmas like everybody has some of those things and but ours would have like scripture verses in them you know um kind of preparing us which as a kid um, it was exciting it was also over my head a little bit at times but I deeply appreciate it because it it pointed us in the direction of saying, Advent is significant. The preparation, uh, the waiting, right? Uh, The anticipation Mm -hmm. is significant. Um, Of course, as a kid, all that emphasis was on Jesus coming as the gift, which it should be. There was less emphasis on a second coming and sometimes I really struggled to understand the Advent readings that were, you know, about prophecy and uh, longing, um, mm-hmm. because as a kid, you're just thinking about Jesus is going to be born. And so, it, it did help us both celebrate Christmas, but also put the emphasis on Jesus where it needed to be, and just really drew out that season of preparation and waiting. And so it has been my great honor and gift. When Gabe and I got married, we started doing that at home as a couple because I thought it was expected of me, right, really, (laughs) like to carry on the tradition um, and to now to do it with Hudson in the same way um, has become a really special tradition. So it's made Advent, like our Christmas tree isn't up yet, but we got a candle out to do the advent reading, you know, because we, uh, that maybe had some significant emphasis in our home. As an adult, um, (laughs) do you guys, okay, this is going to tell on our families, so our families should not, don't kill us. (sighs) Um, When you were a kid at Christmas, (laughs) did you notice that sometimes your parents would cry or grandparents or aunts and uncles? Maybe it's just me. Like Um,
0: on Christmas day?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And around it, get like weepy and 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 hear a particular song, and you know, cry and and shed mm. a few tears. Yeah. I remember my my mother doing that and and other family members just getting kind of um, overwhelmed with something as a kid I didn't know what that was you know it's mm-hmm. wait a second we're opening presents and this is such an exciting time uh, why are you crying you know now I know there are so many other dynamics around it you know some of that's grief for missing family or a year slipping through your fingers um mm-hmm. but also that the piece of the like um come Lord Jesus like we need you like you can come back anytime right the longing mm-hmm. of this not being our home uh, just becomes more and more clear to me the, the older I get.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's probably been my own experience of Advent as well, that just for in that sense of marking time, right? Mm-hmm. And the ways in which we really use the Christmas holiday as a major marker of time in our lives. You know, there, there are really no other holidays that come close to, to Christmas in the way that it, we kind of orient our lives around it. And like, you can probably remember almost every single Christmas um, from your childhood to adulthood in the circumstances in your life at the time and what was going on and who was there and who wasn't there. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of amazing the ways in which we do that Um and uh, you know that that does kind of go in hand in hand with the way my own understanding of Advent has changed throughout my life. You know, like you guys, uh, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, but unlike you guys, I, I was raised in a Catholic home, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and so that you know brought with it its own set of traditions and and uh, practices and things like that, which are very similar. You know, we've we've borrowed a lot um, in the yeah. Methodist tradition uh, from. Uh, the, the Catholic tradition but uh, so you know I the the lighting of, of candles and the the singing of carols and uh, the things like that and and like you said Sarah you know the <laughs> as a kid it's just about Jesus's birth and you hang on to that image of the nativity and everything but then you know as you get older you start to realize uh, that it's about more than that um, and it's really about like taking a thirty thousand foot view of salvation history, mm-hmm. mm. you know, from like way before Jesus to the end of time as we know it, right? Yeah, um, you know, and look and looking at the the prophecies uh, that that led up to the coming of the Messiah into the world, and then looking even beyond that uh, to to the promise of Christ's uh, return, and and so. I guess the, you know, the older I've gotten and the more I have grown uh, in my understanding of what the season is, um, you know, it's, and I think that's probably one of the most beautiful things about it is that, you know, it's the, the season of Advent is simple enough for a child to understand and appreciate, um, but complex enough to, you know, uh, continue to, to fascinate us and to, to uh, gain significance throughout the course of our lives uh, as we live into the story. Uh, yeah. of scripture
2: yeah that is um just kind of blew my mind a little bit yeah that the the reality that it is this thing that is so very simple right mm-hmm. Pre- preparing ourselves for the arrival of a savior right in the child but yeah. the complexities behind that that we are just skimming the surface on you know um uh here's a little plug if you have kids um uh we have had kind of often on a tradition with Hudson to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible um, through Advent, and and if you if you have kids or grandkids and or you want to hand them out at trick or treating, it's a phenomenal Bible for kids um, because it talks about the kind of that thirty thousand foot view that that big narrative, and so they've created a guide to read every day um, in December leading up to Jesus's birth, um, and I we pulled it out last night, and and I was like okay, let's do the reading and thinking a little more ahead to like the story of Mary getting the, the news from the angel. And, and this this devotional series takes it all the way back. Like, when does Advent begin? It, does it begin when Mary gets the news? Does it begin when Jesus was born? Does it begin when the shepherd's here in the field? And then it said, no, Advent began in the heart and mind of God at the beginning of time, right? Mm, um,
0: oh, that's um, good
2: advent begins when Jesus or when God knew right um, mm-hmm. of this coming that would happen and this and, and the restoration of the world that would happen like it didn't begin with us it began with him. and I'm I'm reading to this this to Hudson who I'm sure is struggling to pay attention because <laughs> it's I I, but because I'm blown away by the complexity of it, right and yeah and he's just like, yeah, Jesus is coming right which is yeah. i would want him to have that message and it's so important that he gets that message but i'm like these this children's story bible just just blew me up right advent began yeah. in the heart and mind of god like that sentence could keep me up for nights right just trying to like conceptualize you know jesus yeah, god we're, we're, knowing this coming yeah. before we ever did
1: the full restoration of the full uh, creation Including those of us, all of us, uh, humans, made in His image. Yeah, right? yeah. And so from, from the very beginning, after the fall, at the advent of the fall, or maybe even prior to that, we don't know the mind of God, but He, uh, knowing all things, that there was there would be a fall, and He knew what the resolution would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about how Scripture speaks to that, uh, mm-hmm. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets, um, speaks much about advent uh, and the coming of christ the messiah uh, the savior Uh, and right right from the beginning in isaiah chapter 7 see the virgin will conceive have a son and name him emmanuel god with us and all throughout Isaiah there are readings that are pretty common in the life of Protestant and Catholic churches alike as we uh, remember uh, how scripture uh, lends itself to prophecy and coming the coming of Christ and the fulfillment of the prophecy through him and through his return
2: yeah i think that's what and i, I don't i don't mean to insult anyone because i would be in this group as well you know i think maybe what gets lost on us the most about Advent is um, is that overarching long-standing narrative that you know Advent means arrival so you know there's a moment in which we we finally get that Jesus is coming now and in the return but I think it's lost on us right the 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 overarching narrative uh, of how this has been unfolding um, over, thousands of years and end into the heart and mind of God, that um, mm-hmm. if if we spent sort of more time considering um, the places that Advent really shows up throughout all of scripture, you know, it, it's kind of woven into like Isaiah, right? That we have these glimpses of arrival, uh, you know, um, I mean, that blows my mind, right? That Isaiah's in Advent, it, Isaiah is talking about a Messiah who will come. And mm-hmm. so, he's in a season of preparing, pursuing, and waiting for an arrival of the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the first so coming, Advent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Advent is the four Sundays on a calendar before Christmas, but, but we are constantly living in Advent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, those, yeah, those before Jesus we're waiting in preparation and hope of the arrival of a messiah and since jesus we're in the waiting and hoping and longing for the coming of jesus again and so it's so much more than a few days on a calendar it's it's a it's an attitude and and uh, and a heart to join in god's overarching narrative for what the messiah will do
0: yeah, you know, just uh, along with all of the the saints who have gone before us for centuries and centuries and centuries, right? You know, like it's it's, yeah, you know, like you said, yeah, it's it's a very long time speaking of the prophet Isaiah. I just came across a verse in the Gospel of John that I had never really given much thought to mm-hmm. uh, yesterday when I was running. Uh, our, our Wednesday morning Bible study. Uh, we've just been walking through the gospel of John uh, at a very slow pace. And if, if any of my Bible study peeps are listening, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about when, they, when I say a very slow pace. But um, <laughs> uh, it, verse uh, 41 of John 12, um, it, it's, it's quoting Isaiah um, before that. And it, it says, verse 41 says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus's glory And spoke about him. Oh wow. Wow. How crazy is that? Like that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. He didn't see God's glory. He saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Jesus. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I got yeah, yeah, I got goosebumps because I was I was just thinking about you know what is my favorite passage at Scripture, which is a lot of people's favorites is the Isaiah passage, right? That he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the, the increase of his government. You know there shall be no end. Yeah, and, and that that Isaiah is catching. A, Maybe a vision, right, or a glimpse. Mm-hmm. He is caught up in this glory of a Jesus that he has not and will not physically meet, but he under, he seems to kind of begin to understand the depth of what it will of who Jesus is, right? The mm-hmm. fullness of that glory that he will reign on his father's on David's throne forever, right? Um, yeah. But he he has this image of that glory you just spoke about, right? And the majesty of Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus would ever make an appearance, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool. How how did he get the whole glory of God <laughs> of Jesus before Jesus ever showed up with glory? Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. that's the crazy. Spirit
1: of the Lord upon him. That's that's what makes him yeah. a prophet.
0: Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Obviously awakened to something, you know, to the Holy Spirit, to the to the presence of God, surrendered to that. That. Yeah.
1: The darkness and light themes in Isaiah and in John in the Gospel of John, uh, you know, I think there's there's obviously connections there and and an affection between the two, as as they're speaking of the one Spirit of the one Lord. You know, Isaiah nine again just talks about. The people walking in darkness have seen Mm -hmm. a great light. A light has dawned to those living in the land of darkness. Um, Just going on and on about that. Um, And and bringing redemption, bringing uh, freedom and release from the oppressed and from the burden, from the slaves of this world. Um, And speaking of how, and that the character and the nature of who Jesus was and who he would be when he was here, when he came in in bodily form as a son of mary. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that's what makes advent so it's it's actually become more difficult and more complex for me just you know in in a handful of years as an adult you know I don't mean to make it sound less about the glory but it's like I it's more and more about the tension of of the not yet, right? Mm. Um, you know, hearing us hearing us speak to verses like, you know, um, he sh- he shall uh, be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and I, I believe Jesus is already ruling, already reigning. But it just mm-hmm. um, the older I get, the more I long. I, I'm in this this place of like almost suffering longing. Right. Um mm. and, and I, I recognize part of that is, you know, the grief and heartbreak um, you know, that we've endured over the last handful of years, this year especially. Um mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't know if it's the older I get, <laughs> you become more aware of the darkness and mm-hmm. you long more for the light, right? And 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 we'll hold candles and we'll sing silent night and we'll celebrate Jesus' coming. But while I'm doing so I'm just like Lord anytime, right? (laughs) Like anytime, like right now would be fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anytime, come Lord Jesus. And the weight of that um, longing has become heavier, right? In Mm. me over the last few years, just the, um, yeah, the weight of the longing has become heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, outweigh the celebration but I'm more aware of the tension of that light and dark right the um, we're in a season of waiting in a season of preparation um, waiting for the second return while also celebrating the reality of who Jesus is and um, yeah which is kind of a bummer for Christmas I mean that's what (laughs) people just want to celebrate like yay Jesus came it's his birthday and -hmm. that's fantastic but I don't know I guess I may be yeah, just in a different place where there's there's so much depth to it that I think sometimes is is just missed.
1: Mm-hmm. well it's certainly missed in our culture in our in our American Christmas Christmas culture. Um, we turn on the Christmas lights what? November first, as soon as Halloween's over, y'all. I saw Christmas to-
2: Oreos in the store before Halloween. Oh Not yeah, that does surprise
1: it. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, I mean, we, we we know that there's a tension between the darkness and the light, and the, and the darkness tries to overcome the light. We know that that's impossible metaphysically, and you know in all, in, in, in every other way. But the the the, the world uh, that which rejected the Son of God and rejected God Himself um, continues to do so. And, and, and it's, it's tangible in, in even what we're talking about today, this, this idea of waiting. We don't like to wait. We want phones to work faster, computers to work faster. We want to be able to drive faster and, and, and get our, our fast food faster. Uh, but Christmas is about waiting. The season of Advent, or at least that which leads up to Christmas, it's about waiting, and it's about waiting in darkness it's it's about remembering living in darkness and remembering that there's this period of of preparation it's almost like lent where we're preparing for the great uh, empty tomb but mm-hmm. we have to you know but we don't we we haven't quite uh, really drilled that in uh, in our preaching and our teaching and our practices uh, at least in the Protestant church that
0: I have experienced in the Methodist Wesleyan vein and as a pastor I think what makes it difficult is that like you you want to get that idea across right like the the waiting and the already but not yet and the you know like the the darkness that the light has come into and kind of sitting in that tension but you also don't want to come across as a humbug
2: Right. yeah that's <laughs> like, it like like the grim reaper you know on the the bubbly holiday season yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah like yeah. with the glitter and the lights and the trees and the festivities and the busyness and like everything and then like such a bummer every yeah, sunday they yeah just- yeah like you don't want to be sitting there being like all earth waits and stillness <laughs> and silence
2: yeah <laughs> so so i had a conversation with I'll, I'll try to <laughs> leave, leave them anonymous, but yeah. Essentially, we were talking about worship and uh, and went. Oh, we don't we don't like to sing. I mean, I was saying this too, right? Like we don't have to sing the Advent songs, right? Uh-huh. Let's just yeah. sing the Christm- yeah. the Christmas songs. Like yeah. if we really sing the Advent songs, yeah, like Sunday morning would be a dirge, you know? Yes, and, because yeah. most of them are. Yes, and and it, and we get sucked up into this wanting the season to be joyful and full of light, but we don't allow ourselves that that discomfort, the season of discomfort that then mm-hmm. is relieved by the joy, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Lent and Easter. You know, Lent we know we're walking to the cross. We know it's a dirge, you know, and that it that it ends in death, and it makes the celebration of Easter sweeter, right? Because life and resurrection. Life and resurrection after having walked through the suffering, uh, but we don't do that at Advent. We do four weeks of uh, joyful celebration and singing the fun hymns, right? Um, and and I'm wondering if we're missing something. Um, but I don't want to be the humbug either, <laughs> right? Yeah. To like to go, oh, we need to like, yeah, talk about how the world is falling apart, so that on Christmas it makes it sweeter that Jesus comes. You know, yeah, we don't, yeah. we don't enter into the longing, the suffering, the expectancy. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I guess our the two Midnight Theology listeners, we probably have one of which is my mom, <laughs> the other is probably your mom, Adam. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that they, um, I just lost my train of thought, making a joke. That's what I got. <laughs> that, that, that's what I get for that. Uh, yeah, that like, that um, for most folks, they should know that, us as Midnight Theology people, we like the both and, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about glory and grief.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know, we talk about the both and of blended ecology, right? Mm-hmm. That we're traditional church and reaching church. And I guess that's just true of Advent too, that we mm-hmm. are both and that that's, so that's what I meant. Our two listeners would know we're both and that, um yeah, <laughs> Advent is, is longing and dirge and expectancy and How hard it is to wait, and Mm -hmm. right, it's light and hope and joy and celebration,
0: yeah, yeah, tempered by it, yeah, totally. Um, and what you know, I I had a thought because you, you had mentioned, you know, you asked that question, did you know, did any of your parents, you know, did they cry at Christmas and things like that, like you know, just that because life is complicated it's, it's complex right like you know, because yes it is a wonderful holiday but then you also like you you miss the the people who aren't there mm-hmm. and you also think about you know especially since i've had kids like oh my gosh you know christmas morning comes and it's like amazing and they're opening presents and we're having tons of fun and then just like there's that little nagging voice in the back of my head like you only get one of these like yeah. this is this is the only christmas with your you know with your 4 year old and your 6 year old that you will ever get mm. ever yeah in your life yeah and then it's over yeah, yeah. you know and then like <laughs> like you go to bed like and and it's kind of funny like my uh my 5 almost 6 year old gets this at a visceral level because mm-hmm. like you know when we'll do something fun together you know say we have a really fun family day you know we go around and do a bunch of fun stuff and everything he will cry when he goes to bed at night yeah. Because he doesn't want the day to be over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like, like you know, we'll be, yeah. putting him, we'll be putting him down to bed and like, he'll just start crying, you know, wh- after we've had this amazing day and we're like, we're like, yeah. buddy, what's what's wrong? <laughs> like, we just had a really great day together. And he's like, I don't want it to be over, you yeah. know, and yeah. like, so like, yeah. I, you know, my five year old gets this, you know, yeah. just so like life is complicated and it's finite, you yeah. know, and like, it's yeah. messy. So well, and I think that's
1: what that's what that's what brings us to the rejoicing, to the heralding, and you know, all the great songs of Christmas. But before we get there, there's a lot of us um, experiencing that loneliness, experiencing that the the, the feelings that we maybe can't identify. I know as you have both shared a little bit of, of of what it was. Uh, to the feelings where uh, you've seen other people cry or even your kids cry. I remember being a kid holding presents and crying really before I even opened them. just, just feeling the love being mm. overwhelmed by that love of, of parents and family and grandparents and just holding a box that I didn't know what was in it, but I knew it was just for me mm. and I was happy just to hold the box and there was something within me and the brokenness in my heart and, and in my life, or whatever the, the stresses that I was feeling as a child, where I would just break down. And my, I remember my dad at one point saying, Gabe, what's wrong? I said, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. And there's just so much love. Yeah. You know? And, there's, and that's, that's the joy side. But then, you know, it's thinking through and, and having now experienced some major losses in our lives, um, there's an emptiness. And there's a void Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also this glimmer of hope and this expectation of, okay, someday there will be a reunion. Mm -hmm. And Christmas tells me that because Emmanuel, meaning God is with us, God literally came down. He came to dwell among us. Um, And there's something significant in that. Maybe even, obviously, arguably more significant because you have to have birth before you have death.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but you know coming coming to live coming to die and coming to be raised
2: yeah Yeah, you know it it hit me just a moment ago you know we we started by saying it feels like this year has slipped through our fingers like time was elusive this year it went it's like a black hole or something Mm -hmm. and that the tensions of like the years move too fast um and yet, we're struck with these moments, like you mentioned, Adam, or, um, or um, with the boys crying. You know, recognizing the weight of the moment, or you, Gabe, you know, noting the moment of, and depth of love, or thinking about how you only get one season. You know, we've thought that often with our um, Hudson's our only, right? And so we go. We get we get one shot to absorb all of this, to take it all in, and and then to get really twisted. Are you ready, my dad? Um Not this ready. was a, Not ready. This, this was a little I think a little while before his death but before or after Hudson came at, he said to me he goes um after Hudson no one will remember me there there won't be you're really only remembered for one generation right mm-hmm. if you're lucky maybe mm-hmm. two but mm-hmm. like You remember me, Sarah. You'll carry with you, with me, with you, right, until you're gone. And Hudson will have a memory of me, you know, that he'll carry with me. But his kids won't know who I am. Um, They won't have a a physical memory of me, right? Mm. And so he was he was pointing to this reality that we get sort of consumed by life, um, and it tends to revolve around us, and it tends to revolve around our kids and. And yet, it is this sand that kind of slips through your fingers, because we're really a blip on the radar of this overarching message, right, of God and creation and redemption and saving the world in eternity and Jesus coming again. And I mean, like, it, yeah, my years on this earth in, in knowing and understanding God and walking with my family and living with min, in ministry, that is a dot on the radar of time. And something mm-hmm. about Advent invites us to consider eternity, right? in in the waiting, in the preparing, yeah. and um the older I get, the more I'm just like, um, again, overwhelmed by the complexity of that. We're celebrating a moment in which Jesus came. But the moment has been coming for hundreds of thousands of years. And mm-hmm. it represents a redemption that will last for eternity. And yeah. it, it, that's just a, a a concept we will not be able to get our heads around.
1: Mm. No. Yeah. Well, that's what Matthew's gospel is so good at reminding us. The genealogy that begins in Matthew's gospel goes back to Abraham, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way to David, and Solomon, and Rehoboam, and then uh, there we are with David, Jacob Joseph and Jesus at uh, in that is his his father's lineage uh, throughout the, the Davidic line uh, and connecting the dots and that's that's Christmas is about legacy. Where have we come from? Where are we going? And, and, you know, we celebrate our little ones and we make sure they have a good time, but, you know, how does that connect to the family line of, of Jesus? You know, even, <laughs> and again, Isaiah speaks to that as well. Uh, you know, coming up from the, the root of Jesse, uh, speaking about um, that family line that Jesus had. Um, what's that? Uh, the, the, then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, in Isaiah chapter eleven. A branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him—a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. And this you know, maybe continues that's, to go on.
2: Maybe go that's ahead. what makes the the family piece at Advent work so well. <laughs> uh, you know, you have kids celebrating Jesus's birthday, the arrival of baby Jesus, the joy of opening presents, not wanting the good moments to stop. And it reminds us of all the goodness of Christmas and Advent. And then you have parents and adults, you know, um, on Christmas night, maybe shedding a, a tear by the tree because they they know what they've lost, you know, they know um, what, uh, what life is. That life is fleeting, you know, they know the pains and, and, and sorrows of that kind of expectancy, the darkness and disruption. And so, when we celebrate Christmas as family or with other people, we're getting a taste of all of it, you know, wrapped mm-hmm. up together. We're getting the delight and joy of children, and we're getting the weightiness of it from adults who kind of recognize um and so maybe that helps hold it in balance. Otherwise, I'd probably just be a, a sobby mess at Christmas if it wasn't for like, <laughs> you know, Hudson Hudson being under the tree, you know, waiting um, and and expecting with us. So I guess it's a yeah. good thing we have the both end of like celebration and joy, right? And yeah. the that yeah, that's it. That's the story. But yeah,
0: and the and the hope of Advent to temper it. Just the the fact that you're able to put your life story and like you know like you're saying Sarah it's a blip on the radar of eternity you know and that the fact that you're able to put that little blip in the context of a larger story you know Mm -hmm. it's not just your immediate circumstances your immediate griefs your immediate hurts your immediate successes victories joys you know all the complexity of life it's not just what's happening right now you know it's it's how does that fit into the bigger story of what God has done is doing and will do you know, it's, up, right. it's that, it's that moment of like, like just pausing to say, what time is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what, mm-hmm. what time is it? Not, you know, not just, you know, in this year that has just yeah. disappeared, but like, like in a, in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, what yeah. time is it? Well, um, the bridegroom is And putting is coming, your life in right? that context. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah do we live in the do we live in the with the expectation of the second coming every day right the bridegroom mm-hmm. coming
0: yeah and to that end i think that's probably one of the other things i was hoping we would touch on is just okay so this is all wonderful in a wonderful way to root ourselves in a sense of uh, purpose and meaning in our our lives uh, in a sense of eternal uh, or i'm sorry our lives in a sense of eternity uh, during this season. Um, but what about like today and like the practical implications that like this hope should have on today. Um, and uh, th- it leads me to a quote that both Gabe and I came across in preparation for this episode. That I wanted to share because uh, we always bring up Papa Wesley uh, on our, our Wesleyan <laughs> why we're theology. Here. That's right. That's right. That's why we're all sitting <laughs> here, you know? Uh, and so I um, wanted to bring up a, a John Wesley quote uh, where he was asked what he would do if he, knew that uh, this was his last day on earth uh, and here's how he replied at four o'clock i would have some tea at six i would visit mrs brown in the hospital then at seven thirty, i would conduct a midweek prayer service and at 10 i would go to bed and i would wake up in glory yes. and you know i just i love that right like just I, what would I do if I knew that Jesus was coming back today and this would be my last day on this earth? I would do exactly what I was planning to do because I was already living yeah. in that expectation, you know, that Jesus would come. I'm already living there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I really love that. Really love that.
1: Yeah. Well, Wesley was a student of Luther, right, and Calvin, uh, and and Luther was asked what he would do on the day that Jesus would return. And he said he would go out and he'd plant a tree. And that doesn't seem to make any sense. Why would you plant a tree? But scripture t- tells us that Christ expects each of us to be about our work, right? To, 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 we don't know the time and the moment when Christ will come back, but to be uh, to be about your work, be constructive in your employment, uh, taking care of the world as, as the trustees uh, of the world, um, but to, to be, uh, don't be sitting around with your, with your hands folded. And I mean, even Paul had to scold early Christians who were saying, well, Christ is coming back. He's coming right back. So, we're just going to sit here. And no, you got you to gotta be gainfully employed. You need to be participating in, in the creation that is busy around you mm-hmm. uh, in, in helpful ways. Because we don't know uh, when we're going to be uh, meeting him face to face.
0: Yeah, be about be about <laughs> the work of Jesus. Go ahead, Terry.
2: Sorry. No, yeah, we'll have yeah. to do another episode. I'm or I'm sure we will at some point do do an episode on what we think you know, Christ's coming, the book of Revelation, all of that sort of stuff. Because for me as a kid, it was terrifying, right? And Mm. I've had to do a lot of work to shake that. And so I recognize we might have some listeners who are like, uh, I'm happy to celebrate Advent as the coming of Jesus. I'm I'm nervous about talking about Christ's second coming because it's been painted as... um, Something terrifying, right? And so we'll have to talk more about that later. Um,
0: yeah, that's a good but idea. Yeah,
2: that that for some folks, um, it's maybe nerve wracking. And and what John Wesley reminds us of in that quote is, yeah, live your life every day as if Jesus is coming back. Uh, but in the most normal ways, right? Mm-hmm. Not like, mm-hmm. um, not like running out into the street, you know, with like flags <laughs> and body paint and like Jesus is coming, like not, yeah, like, yeah. not or, like that. Or
0: like just, building a bunker and buying vast amounts yeah. of like food from doomsday prepper supply stores, and yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. really the whole thing is like, um, do you love Jesus? Yeah, you know, do, yeah. is your life living? under his direction, his lordship. Okay, right? Are you kind to people? You know, are you about the work of furthering the kingdom in the littlest ways, like visiting somebody in the hospital and caring for the sick and the poor? Um, That it's not, it's not like you have to go out with a grand gesture. And so every day has to become this grand gesture because Jesus is coming back, right? The, Mm -hmm. the point is that your everyday ordinary life comings and goings um, is under the direction and Lordship of Jesus. And you live that out in the fruit of the spirit. And, Mm -hmm. and then when Jesus comes, it will be fine. Right. Because you've been, you've been living that way. Now I, I never ever remember the fullness of the quote when I need it, um, but there's a quote by Irma Bombeck uh, that just talks about she hopes that she would give everything that she had, right? So that's been an, an ongoing theme in my life. When I think about um, the bridegroom, you know, could come at any moment, um, there is a little FOMO attached to it, right? Like, um, did I give everything I could give? You know, mm. did I hold anything back? Um, mm. I don't want to um, kind of stand before Jesus and regret not having done something that I could have done. And I don't, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I don't know that that's the right way to prepare myself for Christ's return. It's, I assume it's better than nothing. You know, what would be better is just, yeah, every day going, um, yep, my life looks like what it needs to look like. And I don't, I don't have to have FOMO or wonder if I gave everything because I'm I'm doing it every day. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's this sense of of longing in me, I guess, that says I'm eager for Christ to come back. Um, but I also carry with it a weight that says, "Am I doing everything I can do for Christ and His kingdom until that day comes?" Because I don't I don't I don't want to get there having held something back. And maybe that's good. Maybe it holds me a bit in check and balance um, about using it all because we've got one life, you know, to live for him. But but embracing that with, like, God loves us, whether I'm, you know, running on full tilt all the time or not.
0: Yeah.
1: And for those of us, uh, well, not us, I now know what it means, but FOMO, what does that mean?
2: Oh, Fear <laughs> of
1: missing yeah, and I, out.
2: Fear of missing out. I think it's now probably an already outdated term. It was very trendy a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. But, but, and now but there's I, still I, folks that never picked up on the trend, and now they're really lost because it's not even in use anymore. <laughs> but that, that's, a, that's a good point, though, the fear of missing out. How do we, how do we not miss out? Well, we prepare. And that's mm-hmm. what Advent's about. Mm-hmm. It's about preparing for Christmas. And if we don't prepare for his future coming, the coming again, or even prepare for remembering his first coming, then the future coming really has little value to us. If we're not preparing to remember and and then the ongoing action of of being a disciple, be following me, uh, as Christ told his disciples, we just need to continue to prepare. Then we don't have to have the fear of missing out because we will be ready.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes me... Uh, sure makes me want to say like the very cheesy pastoral thing like what if we put as much time and energy into preparing (laughs) our hearts for the coming of Jesus as we do for buying all the right presents for people (laughs) and making cookies and going shopping (laughs) but like that's the that's the hokey church thing you write a sermon
0: about that Sarah (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder
2: you know make everybody feel guilty (laughs) for their Christmas preparations because you should be preparing for Jesus instead
1: that's That's what this is all about yeah, That's no. What the Grinch no. is for he's trying to steal Christmas because his heart's too small. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah but seriously, you
2: know, yeah. What if we prepared? What if we prepared ourselves the way we lived, with the way the church interacted with the world, in the way that we prepare for the celebration of Christmas? And it's amen. not. It's not equal. We don't spend equal time on it. Even mm-hmm. me, right?
0: Yeah, we're, we're but, called but up it's to not, that. Yeah, but it's nothing like earth shattering. Like you know, like John Wesley saying, like we have shared. You know, it's it's not like oh man, every day has to be this epic quest of like greatness in Jesus. Like it's it's yeah. living for Christ in the simplest of ways, giving of yourself. Uh, yeah, in the simplest of ways. So you know, if you want to prepare um yourself for the second coming of christ and prepare prepare yourself during this advent season go do something nice for somebody today Mm -hmm. you know like it's it's as simple as that um you know just just do your time in prayer like yeah yeah yeah. spend spend time in prayer Read, you know (laughs) yeah read the bible listen for god's voice uh you know attend upon the the means of grace as john wesley would say you know uh and uh that's that's the way that we prepare um, is yep. is in, in those simple ways that have a cumulative effect over time um, to produce the fruit of the spirit uh, in our lives um, yeah. and so on that note of giving I think that is a perfect segue into <laughs> our uh, game for today are we
2: gonna have some fun
0: we are well, gonna have a little bit of fun, fun yes it has been a wonderful conversation so thank you thank you both and Uh, We'll look forward to yeah, absolutely. And and we'll look forward to having Larry back with us uh, next month. Uh, But uh, for today, uh, we're going to close out this episode uh, with a game, um, which I'm sure you all have played two truths and a lie before. Yes. Yeah, two truths and a lie. Okay, so today we are going to play two truths and a lie. St. Nick edition. Oh Lord. Ooh. Saint Nick edition. So come
1: Santa Claus here. Come
0: Claus. Yeah, and and so specifically we're going to be talking about Saint Nicholas.
2: I was gonna ask. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. The and actual person.
0: The actual person. The
2: actual sainted person, not yes. the imaginary figure.
1: Yes, okay. not the myth, not the legend, but the man.
0: That that's right. Yes, the man himself <laughs> uh, from church history uh, and his life and the details thereof, uh, along with a few other things. But we'll get there. Uh, okay, so uh, the first first set. You guys ready? Yeah. Ready. All right. Here we go. So so two of these are true. One Jeez. of them is not. Number one saint uh, i'm sorry nicholas was uh reluctantly a bishop in the early church number two there are frescoes and icons dating back as far as the 1500s depicting nicholas slapping the trinitarian heretic arius in the face and number three nicholas lived in myra which is in modern day armenia
1: Wow. Uh, we're, let's just start easy. Okay. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Two
1: truths and a lie.
2: But see, Reluctant I. Reluctant
1: bishop lived in Armenia and slapping a Trinitarian,
2: a, a heretic
0: a hair tick yeah. well, slapping yeah. hair ticks see this Slam. is why i okay. couldn't
2: do true false questions in school because i talk myself in circles you know around it like you're trying to <laughs> trick me like there's an obvious answer but adam's trying to well, trick duh, me so he's they're trying to trick you so the real answer is probably like not so obvious but i for the sake of of my own sanity and making a quick decision i'm gonna say the lie is the slap in the face the fresco
1: Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna say where he lived the third one um living in what would you say Armenia yes,
0: and,
2: yeah, and I I'm now apologize that- to any any Theologians, yeah. academics, pastors who listen in and, and cannot believe that we don't know the answer to this. I, I hope,
1: I, I, you know what, Sarah? I know we're not alone.
0: I know <laughs> oh, we're alone. Ab- absolutely. I mean, I've, I've had to research these things myself just in preparation for this. So don't, don't think that this is coming from my own head knowledge. Okay, so Gabe was correct. Uh, he did yes. not live in Armenia. He lived in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Ooh, uh-huh. All right? Yep. And you can Google pictures of these frescoes and icons of nicholas slapping the Trinitarian heretic arius known for the arian heresy in the wow. face yes you can I would, google
1: i would you love can, one of those icons on my wall I'm where's yes, that
0: you can just google nicholas slapping arius and and wow. just google image search and it'll pop right up for you um That's however it there there is controversy whether he was even at the council of nicaea where that heresy was refuted uh wow. and uh there is very little evidence that he actually slapped him in the face it was just like <laughs> legend at that time sure. uh that that inspired byzantine um frescoes so C- council of nicaea was what there you 4 f- 4500 where when was so, that uh, 3 three, three twenty five. Okay. yeah right am i right uh, i don't know I just pulled what that date want? off the top uh, of my head. I'm going to look I'll, it
2: up. I, I speak in generalities to avoid being wrong. And so <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> the 300. and I see it.
1: Yep. Turkey. What are we looking at?
0: 325. Bam. Boom. There you go. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. So here we go. We, we got uh, four of these. So it's number two. Um, Nicholas was from a wealthy family and used his inherited wealth to do two of these three things. Number one, leave gifts in the empty shoes of children while they slept. Number two, save a father who had lost all of his money from using his daughters to start a brothel. Or number three, sell his parents' possessions in order to give to the poor and needy.
2: Lie, number one.
1: Wow. Wow. So you're saying the, shoe, the sh- shoe ministry is a lie For, for St. Nick
0: Okay Shoes. Gabe I'm what's your guess That you're
1: saying I gotta do with a recount So we're talking about A shoe ministry Selling everything uh, Of his parents And giving that away
0: Or saving What was the second one uh, A father who had lost All of his money From using his daughters To start a brothel
1: Wow That's It's, it's almost too outlandish To be false So uh, That might be true I'm going to go with the third being the lie. Selling everything of his parents and himself and selling all of that. I'm going to, gosh, that's a hard one. I'm just going to say, but I'm going to go with three. That's all
0: right. Lie. Okay. Sarah got this one right. Uh, <laughs> that uh, began as a Dutch tradition, the whole putting your shoes out um, for Santa yes. to fill them with gifts. That's that began as a Dutch yes. tradition. Um, nice. And uh, it is true uh, that not only did he sell his parents possessions, but the entire tradition around the gift giving of mm-hmm. St. Nicholas stem from a story of him. Uh, throwing bags of gold through the window of a house of a father who had lost all of his money and was thinking about uh wow. selling his daughters, um, wow. it, th- their, their bodies, uh, yeah. Um, wow. and he ended up uh, the father uh, not only had enough to feed his family, uh, but he perch- he had enough to purchase dowries for each of his three daughters and wow. marry them. So, wow, yes, awesome. so that you know is- how I knew that.
2: Because I had mom guilt a few years ago that Hudson didn't like know the story of, of St. Nicholas. And so I, I bought a couple of children's books to tell the legend of St. Nicholas.
0: Okay. So I, I learned
2: that through a children's story time. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Perfect. There you go. There you go.
2: I don't think it said brothel in it, though.
1: So that's one. To yeah, one. probably not. That's one to yeah. one. One for Sarah. One for Gabe. I didn't. Yep. Who knew this was going to be a competition here? This is fun.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so so one and one. Here we go. Uh, number three. I've got I've got three facts here. Uh, one of them is a lie. Um, number one. The name Chris Kringle has nothing to do with Saint Nicholas. Number two. Some cultural traditions hold that Saint Nicholas. Uh, has an evil counterpart named Belschnickel, a terrifying half-man, half-goat figure, who is the one who delivers coal or sticks uh, to be used for switches uh, to misbehaving children. And number three, uh, in Spanish tradition, Saint Nick goes by Papa Noel.
1: What was the first part of the second statement? Okay. Which
0: tradition is that? Uh, that would be uh, German, Austrian, or Hungarian tradition. Okay. okay.
2: And what was the first the first item? Uh,
0: the name Chris Kringle has nothing to do with St. Nicholas.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with that one, because the other two I think I've heard before, or a variation thereof. Okay.
2: Okay. 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 I, I am pretty sure that Belschnickel is true and uh,
1: it's tough
2: I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go you got me with the double negative on one though because if I say number one isn't true Chris Kringle I'm gonna go one
0: (laughs) All right. so number one Gabe what's your answer at number one number one well you're both wrong (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, yeah, Bel- all or nothing. <laughs> okay, so, so get this, get this. Belschnickel is half true. Oh,
2: you no, yeah, this is why. Now, now you might have,
0: now, now listen, now listen, now listen. He's if darky, you're, right? if you go. are <laughs> a mega fan of The Office, you will remember that Belschnickel was Dwight's <laughs> character, but it is based on a, on a real, uh, German, Austrian and Hungarian tradition of a character, uh, named Krampus. Have, yes. you, have you ever heard of yes. Krampus? I knew yes. I knew
1: there was an antithesis to to, to Saint Nicholas, but Yes.
2: I, yeah. That was sneaky yeah. Adam, that was sneaky.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I assumed you so would I tell switched the, the whole name truth on. truth. Yeah.
0: I know. Yeah, you're not giving any clues away. I know, <laughs> yeah. It was it was sneaky. Yeah, but uh, today actually, so when this airs, it is uh Krampusnacht, which is the night before the feast yeah. of Saint uh-huh. Nicholas. So tomorrow Tomorrow is the Feast of St. Nicholas, December 6th. Yeah, sure, yeah. you betcha. December yeah. 5th is Krampusnacht, where the the terrifying the tradition of this, you know, half goat, half man delivering <laughs> coal and sticks to misbehaving children. Yeah, so watch your backs, kids. <laughs>
2: Gabe's in trouble.
0: <laughs> okay. Probably. Probably. Oh, my gosh. All right, so last one. Uh, number four. Let's see. We can break the tie. Number one. Uh, now th- these are short. Number one. Nicholas is the patron saint of seafarers. Number two. Nicholas is the patron saint of orphans. And number three. Nicholas is a patron saint of pawnbrokers.
1: Seafarers is false.
2: Okay, Sarah. I mean, I want it to be three because that is ridiculous. But I have a feeling it's it's one.
1: Okay. But if we both say 1, we can't break the tie.
0: Oh, true.
2: <laughs> so you take 3.
0: Ooh. <laughs> but
1: but but if but if we both I, I no, I was first.
0: All right. So we we, we just we just we're I'd both rather, going one. Okay. I'd rather tie. I'd rather tie. It's probably right.
2: better for our marriage if we tie. <laughs>
0: All right, so the game ends in a tie because, again, you are both wrong. Uh, (laughs) uh, Nicholas, uh, he is the patron saint of seafarers. Uh, Legend has it that he uh, prayed to calm a storm at sea that was threatening to sink a ship that he was on. And so that is why he is the the patron saint of seafarers. Um, He is not uh, the patron saint of orphans. That's Saint Jerome. And he is... He is the patron saint of pawnbrokers. See, I knew that because of the story you told not about the gold. Get a saint? They- no. Okay. No. So listen, this is really interesting. The, so his three gold bags that he gave to the girls, the, the you What's know to the father, his three gold bags are the international symbol of pawnbrokers. Did you yeah. know about that? And this is because precursors to today's pawn shops were actually established by franciscan friars in the 14th century to help the poor by providing yeah, low interest like, loans like
2: micro lending kind of yep. Yep. yeah yeah so i mean yeah that's in that's its intent i feel like it is straight a little bit uh, from yeah. it's intended purpose for sure
0: absolutely <laughs> can so we, can
2: we revoke their saint
0: uh, yeah sorry
2: if i'm offending <laughs> any any pawn brokers
0: yeah i'll put yeah. a
2: request into the vatican
0: yeah yeah seriously so i i don't know who decides who the patron saint is for various groups of people but um, is there a
2: patron saint of podcasters
0: i i don't know we need to look that up or dub one the patron saint of podcasters i guess (laughs) <laughs> uh, so anyway that's that's all i got for today um uh, that we'll, was make great. Larry, so, we'll make
2: larry the patron patron saint of of podcasters he's not here so i'm gonna give him that <laughs> wow. title
0: wow. wow man that is man larry if patron can, saint of podcasters I wonder if we can order an icon made for him
2: oh that'd be so
0: cool oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> christmas gift idea <laughs> hopefully he doesn't listen to this okay okay <laughs> Larry with the Jesus fingers holding up. A- <laughs> oh my! All right, let's there's a, there's up. a picture. All right, we better go. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, before before we head out, uh, just just a final reminder uh, that if you do want to hang with the the Midnight Theology crew in the Holy Land, uh, we are Ooh. gonna be going there, spring 2022. But uh, the deadline for that is December 8th. Uh, which is like what, three days after this is gonna air, so um yep. yeah, you' all got three days if you're listening to this on December fifth, and if you're listening to it after December eighth, um we wish you could have joined us, but maybe next time um, yeah yeah
2: <laughs> hey and 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 uh it's it's green lights at this point, so so I know there's a lot happening in the world, but we're assuming all will work towards our going, so don't be afraid That's to right. register,
0: yes. So be sure to join us next month uh, where we will be talking about uh, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And uh, while we're not quite big enough to have John Mark himself on the podcast yet, uh, the, the, the four of us have all preached uh, around the ideas in his book. And uh, he lays out some really wonderful uh, solutions to the problem that we've already been talking about in this podcast. Just that feeling that there's not enough time that time is just constantly slipping away and we just seem to be in this time warp uh where it it just is slipping through our fingers um he he offers some really wonderful practical, uh, not only does he elo- uh, eloquently name the problem, he offers really wonderful practical solutions. So I uh, really hope you all will uh, be joining us next month as we talk around uh, some of those things and, and just this notion of hurry uh, and the feeling of uh, not quite ever having enough time Uh, so that's all we have for today and uh, thanks for joining us on midnight theology Uh, and if you're the night owl type uh, remember that saint nick doesn't come if you're not asleep so you should probably start going to bed earlier after all you wouldn't want to have a run-in with krampus
2: John Comer, if you're listening, <laughs> would love to have you on the show.
1: Yeah.